Hello, this is Chris. And this is Andrew. And welcome back to uh, another episode of Video Games Cover to Cover, covering The Witcher 3, episode 20 of The Witcher 3, part 33 overall. Uh, We've part got one-ish of Blood and Wine. Yeah, part one, basically. <laughs> <laughs> when Chris and I were originally talking about this, Chris was like, I really want to stick to a hard limit of four episodes to cover all the DLC. And it took us three just to get through Heart of Stone. <laughs> We don't have to talk about what I wanted. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I understand it. I was on board with you, but it, just, it turns out there was just so much to deal with. There's just so much content, and if we're going to play it, we're not really doing it justice if we don't exactly. kind of delve into everything, especially when you look at exactly. the story and war world building that uh, CD Projekt Red has done. It seems like almost doing a disservice to not dive into it, especially considering we dived into dove into every single aspect of final fantasy 10 2 including that final thing yeah although we did because we had to do the hundred percent yes which i'm still annoyed that i apparently missed something somewhere yeah. i am still annoyed about that i can't wait for us to find another game to be frustrated about after we get done with the witcher yeah i don't I really have no idea what we're going to do. We'll have I've to figure that to. out relatively soon because we're coming up on that. Yeah, I know. I've tried to think about it for a while, but it's like I just can't nail down because the part of me wants to do another RPG because there's multiple out there that are good. I think RPGs are really good for this format just because there is a lot to cover and that there isn't in some other games. But the problem with that, and, and, and I think part of the thing that makes this podcast good, I guess, if you could say that, if we can toot our own horn Not, for a second. Yeah, I mean, part part of what I think for, for for a better a better way to phrase that part part of the thing that I think we it makes this podcast good is our contrasting when we do things differently. Although we end up generally, we always play the good guy in games, regardless. So a lot of times we end up doing all of the the good things, but a There's lot no- of times you and I come to the good conclusion. In different ways. There's absolutely no generally about it for me because I am the guy who, when I'm looking at a bad, cho- like a, a, an evil option, I genuinely feel bad, even though this is a video game and nothing matters. Like, I, I am like, I, I cannot pick this ever. So, like, I'm nothing but like a super softy in video games. Yeah. I always do the exact same thing, except there are times, especially in. When I think of games like, oh, geez, Prototype from a long time ago. and To be fair, in Prototype, it was basically impossible to be to be anything but evil because... No, well, you, you can make good decisions, but I was thinking games along the side of that aspect. Like Infamous. Infamous and, and I guess, Prototype to a lesser degree. But yeah, it, it just with Prototype in particular, it was very hard to be... I mean, there was no morality system, but like it was pretty hard to argue that you were anything but a, a terrible person. But with Infamous... Even if I was going through and playing everything on the good side, and Infamous, Infamous actually made it difficult because the random people on the road, you actually could kill. And then we get evil points for it. And then you get evil points for it. Whereas other games in the future, because it's like there's always going, when you have superpowers, there's always going to be unavoidable accidents. And I guess I can, I don't know if you've seen the boys on. Um, Amazon. No, I mean, I again, I'm familiar with the concept and stuff, but I haven't actually watched The Boys. I liked it only because it was. I, I liked it in pretty, the sense that it was grim. something. I liked it in the sense that it was something different, but it is very, very grim, and it's 
but it delves into what happens if a superhero accidentally kills someone in the boys's case a lot of times it wasn't actually an accident but <laughs> it kind of delves into what what a what superhero, do you actually do about these like things that are people that are way more powerful than anybody else exactly and so like in infamous you would lose power points every time you'd accidentally kill a civilian or something whereas other newer games you you kind of like if you accidentally kill someone it's not really that big of a deal i remember an in infamous like if you were going for a good run and you did a power in the wrong place and accidentally hurt somebody, it was over. Like not to that degree, but if you wanted to do like a no whatever, it was just, it was a lot harder in games where you could accidentally kill people to actually get the, the, the right decision. And maybe I'm just overthinking infamous a little bit. Honestly, that's always been one of the problems with um, a relatively like a binary morality to begin with, because like good and evil, it's very difficult to make choices that are meaningful. Like, cause when I think back to like, if we think back about the old, even back to the old Bioware games and stuff where that for like, you know, KOTOR and stuff like that are like the first times I, I that, that it really became mainstream this concept. And, but like the choices in, in Knights of the Old Republic are just like I, the way I always used to describe it is you're literally choosing between being Jesus and being snidely whiplash. <laughs> because like the, like your, in, like un- absurdly good, like to a completely unrealistic degree, where like you, you've never even had a bad thought in your entire life. It was very clear that one was good and one was not, and, and then and, and then even more so, the evil things you weren't really evil for a benefit. Like I mean, like, I used to only whiplash an example because why was he tying that lady to the railroad tracks? Because he could. <laughs> like, there's no point to it. You're just like cartoonishly evil and that was the negative side of it because and that was the same thing that i was kind of diving into in the last episode where a lot of shows and video games and and other Mm -hmm. culture just in order to show someone is evil they just do something absurdly evil just because whereas it just doesn't make sense Gaunter is mega ultimate evil, but he has a reason behind everything that he does. Oh, and even then, like at that point, you're not a he's not a person. He's basically like there's a like the embodiment of evil or whatever. And you know, when you're dealing with something at that metaphysical level, that's a little different. Well, I agree with that. I can also say that that humans could always have the capacity to potentially be evil, but also not just immediately show you what's evil. And one no, of the no, things, sure. I guess what I'm saying is like what I was trying to say was. Even if Gaunter had just been that sort of cartoonish evil thing, since he's not a per like when you start dealing with those sorts of abstract things like demons, well, they're just I- inherently evil. Like I- in certain contexts within mythology and stuff, that's okay. But like if you're trying to make this is a person who is a relative, like has the character complexity of a human being, you can't really do that and make it feel right. I I, I would disagree with that. I mean, you wouldn't make a human being as evil as Gaunter, but you you can. So, like, you could have, like, somebody is, if you think of, like, a stalker mm-hmm. is someone who you would, would probably think is someone who is bad. What? Um. You can have little bits and pieces throughout an entire story of, like, this guy just happens to always be there when he probably shouldn't. I, I think we're talking past each other a little bit because I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. What I was saying was even if... Well, I thought you were saying it wasn't possible for a human to be presented in the same way that Gaunter was. No, what I'm what I no, what I'm saying is since Gaunter isn't a normal person, if they had just gone straight to 
like the sort of thing we were talking about with, hey, he's super evil. He did the super evil thing instead of presenting it. Like when you're dealing with certain, like I said, like with a demon, generally demons are evil. That's just like, oh, it's a demon. It's evil. Like they're short. You already know what's going on here. There's not really like there's a certain amount of lack of nuance you can get away with when you're not dealing with people. They didn't do that with Gaunter, and I think the story was better for it, but I mean, they could have because certain things are just inherently, like, he. they, they, they describe him as evil incarnate, that's the just, like, he doesn't need a justification, he's just evil. They mm-hmm. gave him one anyway, and it helped, but, like, because of what he was, they could have gotten away with that. Yeah. That's all I was saying. I just, I just don't like it in media when they immediately go for the shock value of, well, he's just, he, he's bad, and this is why. Yeah. It's no, I like a, a small lead. I like getting bits and pieces that this person is not what they seem. And because of that, over time, you, you start to understand, okay, this person really is just terrible instead of, oh, I just hate this guy from the very beginning of the show because he did this super evil thing right out of the gate. Yeah. And uh, so on to blood and wine, which <laughs> I guess just objectively, a- the whole area is mm, different yeah i i will say i do want to loop back just very briefly just because i want to wrap up that thought where where i was going with that with the bioware stuff one of the things i like that they kind of switch to more um that a couple other things do is uh for one making the the alignment law versus chaos rather than good versus evil and i think that's easier to do because you're still kind of the hero so you're still kind of a good person it's just kind of what sort of good person you are and I think that can work a little better. And also, like with the Dragon Age games, it's not even a matter of alignment. It's literally just how does everyone else in the party feel about you? And I think both of those can be handled better than the old good versus evil. That's I just wanted to wrap up with that because otherwise that conversation kind of didn't go anywhere. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess the only difference is just saying video games have come a long way. Sure. And when it you we used to have very simplified this is good versus this is evil and now it's kind of a gray area uh i mean sometimes sometimes it is still a relatively like good versus evil but a lot of it like anything else is in the presentation right well in the witcher i would very much say in the witcher i definitely would agree it's a it's a gray area for sure everything is a gray area but no matter what even if you're making the good the the quote-unquote good decision there's almost always something bad that comes with it that's very like prestige television, though, for lack of a better way of putting it, because like Game of Thrones, uh, those sorts of things are all have a very similar like good and evil are basically like almost irrelevant questions at this point. And in a lot of media, I'm pretty done with that. And I actually really kind of dislike the fact that everything thinks that like the more mature way of doing it is to avo- is to make everything like gray or whatever. But everybody acts like good versus evil is kitty stuff. And when it's very simplified, it is, but I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that as long as you do it. Like you said, it's about the presentation. This is why I like anime more. Because those types of storylines where those types of storylines happen more with animation than than I would see from, from modern television. I just, I can't really get invested that much into modern television. It's like, it, it, it only because almost everything is presented as this person is X and they're never going to be more than that. And and it's hard to get more complexity because of whatever reason, it's just a lot of times in anime characters with the exception of the main character has a lot more depth in them than what I would see in, in like mainstream television. I, I would say, I mean, maybe that's just a bias because I just happen to like anime, but 
it just seems like there's so much more you can do with animation than real life. Because there are some things that you can do in animation that are just completely impossible practically on like a television series. Well, I mean, I think a really good example is like even to just to stick completely with Western, like look at those live action remakes Disney's been doing. They just don't have nearly the soul that the animated versions did. Well, and that's part of the reason is because they made specific choices. Like they, they They're, had to have real life looking animals in the Lion King. Right, and and it just doesn't, they can't emote. So it almost seems like some of the characters are just insane because they're saying things that just don't make any sense because you can't see the emotions behind them. Yeah. I mean, even like Aladdin or whatever, it's just like, it. it's just not the same. Like Genie being able to do all those awesome things in the animated stuff. Like it, it, it's not even just things like that. Just so much of like the soul of the story is, is not there. So, I mean, I completely agree. Like, I think it, I think one of the bigger pro or like a big problem with Western stuff is it tends to they, like we tend to treat animation as like only a four kids thing and, you know, a less mature medium than live action or whatever. And I don't think that's true. Well, and then there, there are those stories. So like Beauty and the Beast, for example, I personally do not think that works at all in real life, because when you when you look at an animation aspect, you're like, oh, that, you know, it's a cute little beast thing. You, you, you kind of see when he's by himself, he has his moments of, you know, he's just some cute, like he definitely used to be a guy. If there was a real dude who looked like the beast from a Gaston perspective, I would see that and be like, that's super bad. That's not good. What, what on earth is this girl thinking? The, no. And that's supposed to be our, my king or whatever. Are you serious right now? I see. I've long maintained, uh, and I know I've I've gotten into a couple arguments with people about this one, and I don't want to go off in too much of a tangent. But but see, like Gaston is a great example of like he would be. It, it, all you have to do is just change the way the story is framed, and Gaston is the hero now. From the villain's perspective, in this case, Gaston, he's right. Yeah, he just is. This random girl that nobody even likes in town is g basically going off and saying, well, this is your prince. Now. And you have to look from, from a regular perspective. So nobody likes her dad. Nobody really likes her. Suddenly, both of them are kidnapped by some random beast for whatever Gaston is, for whatever reason, he's like obsessed with her because she's prettier than the other girls in town but then she comes back and she's like oh by the way this is the prince now that you haven't seen in like decades he's the prince he's just been the beast the whole time it's like do, do you hear yourself bell do, do you have any idea what's going what are you even talking about this is our prince now but some random dude how how like if you really think about it what's really the difference between the so like gaston trying to get people together against the beast versus like van helsing from dracula there is no difference. Exactly, but Van Helsing's a hero. It's, it's literally all about the framing because they they decide that Dracula is bad, and I mean, not that Dracula isn't bad, or whatever, but like my point is, you know, we've just decided the Beast is the good guy, therefore Gaston is wrong. Everything it, that happens constantly. If you look at any re reality TV shows, they constantly have producers putting things in specific orders to make it look more dramatic, and then you see like a lawsuit comes out where. People are like, no, it didn't actually happen that way, and you're making me out to be the villain when that's not at all what happened, and nobody thought that. Yeah. That's very much a thing that happens all the time. But, but anyway, but I get so I guess to tie it back to, to video games, like I mean, 
Gaston has issues, like the way he, you know, objectifies Bell or whatever, but he's like an anti-hero because there's lots of heroes in modern, you know, prestige fiction that have that. Or like um, a video game example, what about Handsome Jack? Like, I mean, he's not wrong in a lot of the things he says. He just goes way too far in it. Yeah. And those are although, the most... Although, I don't know. Handsome Jack was pretty, pretty evil. When they put... The pre-sequel makes him... It makes it seem like he was always really bad, but as he's presented in two, when he's first introduced, he's not like he he has some decent points. He just handles the, it badly. But at the end of two, he's like, well, sure, he's definitely of, evil. And when the end of two, Gaston is trying to straight up murder people. Well, I understand that, but what I'm saying, I, I I get where you're going with Handsome Jack, but at the same time, at the end of two, Gaston, when he dies, you could still argue that he's correct. In the sense that he's trying to fight the monster and dies in the process. Handsome Jack is like doing super evil things at the end. And there's like no argument for you've done like this could potentially be right. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree that get, that because of the fact that he took things too far. Right. But like as his as initially presented his, but that's true of a lot of villains, and sometimes the most interesting villains are the ones that started out having a point and then lose the point along the way, and that therefore because they lost the point, like yes, they're the bad guy, and it's good fine to root against them or whatever. But like when they never had a point to begin with, it's like I just I just can't I I really struggle to get into that. Anyway, back so to, a couple guys show up yeah. and they ask you to go to Tashan. <laughs> right. Yeah. Back back to the story. So yeah, there's a there's a. Uh, notice that like you get really early because you haven't installed in the game but the yeah but they want to meet up with you in this town and it's a couple of knights of Tassant that Geralt already knew yeah it's apparently somebody which from I his assume past. I assume from the books because I didn't know who they were and uh they basically say hey the Duchess is the Duchess wants you to come and deal with this problem uh basically there's a murderous beast going around killing specific targets and most of them have been nobles and, and stuff like that so it's one of those things where apparently people listen because you know wealthy people are dying so now we have to do something also um well i mean there was that but also which i think is a probably a better point is like they commented that there's a tournament coming up and the She's very concerned that, like, nobles of other countries are going to die and it's going to cause big problems. Yeah, because at they, I think they said at worst it's a scandal, or at best it's a scandal, at, at worst, worst it's, a it's an inter- incident. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, because, but I mean, I do agree. The fact that, oh, nobles are paying attention or whatever, like, is a part of the motivation and that's bad. But, like, I, she's not wrong to be concerned that, like, some random Nilfgaardian gets murdered and the emperor going to be like, I'm okay with this. we go meet up with the knights whom we already said that Geralt uh previously knew and so Geralt because of that agrees that okay you know it's I guess I'll do it um because he they they talk about a big reward and everything and uh so and land which uh gets mentioned that Geralt was like I've never owned land before I I didn't think that was yeah I thought that was in the the scroll it might have been in the scroll. I don't know. Regardless. All I do know is this is the first time we get to go to Tucson. Yes. After you. But first you have to fight off some bandits with them. Not just bandits. You have to fight off a giant when you get there. Well, yes. But I like even before you go to Tucson, you have to fight off some bandits that are attacking this little village that they're hanging out in. Oh, I must have forgotten about that. Yeah. And well, because the, the 
they come out in their old shiny armor and stuff, and uh, Geralt kind of just hangs out in the back. <laughs> and I, I, this is why I wanted to bring it up, because they go, well, you know, in the name of the her the duchess, blah, 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 uh, and, <laughs> you know, we, we need to stop. And then the manager's like, there's only two of you. What are you going to do? There's like a dozen of us. And then, and then Geralt comes up. He's like, I gather you're not familiar with the Knights of Toussaint. <laughs> Nor myself. Right. Right. But uh, he's like, I, you, you don't really want to be messing with these two. Like, I, I don't think you understand what you're getting into. Well, then they, they send, they say something about the butcher. Mm-hmm. And... Then they say something ill about the Duchess of Tucson. And then they're like, oh, we got to fight now. Well, Geralt says, ooh, they said something bad about the Duchess. I guess that means you're going to have to uh, punish them now, right? And then they're immediately like, we cannot allow you to say such things of our Duchess. And it's murder town. Yes. And as expected, those two knights deal with the I mean, you get to fight too, but like you kind of like with... uh, with Zoltan and the earlier things, you could just stand back and let them do it all. <laughs> yeah. Because they go to pretty good town on those guys. I didn't. No, I didn't either. But, but you could have. But, like, I was dealing with one group, and they fought off the other group. And, like, it, they, they do a good job in their shiny gold armor. But, yeah, then now we finally get to go to Toussaint, which has been on the map the entire game, presumably because I've, you know, had the DNC, DLC installed the entire game. But, yeah, it's just been, like, an actual section... Unlike Heart of Stone, where there wasn't actually a new section of the world map, it was just like a a part of the map that we had always been there that we never really got around to going to, that just had really high level stuff. Now there's actually like a completely different region. Exactly. Yeah, and that's that was one of the things that I I, I was kind of I kind of missed with Heart of Stone is I agree. This is the exact same areas I've already been. It's kind of like oh well, there's just more stuff there now. It's like oh okay. Yeah, I agree. I, that was a little disappointing. Which I guess it was hard for them to do side quests there because you could run into one of those side quests at any point in the main game. And because all of it would have been like level 35 or whatnot, you would have been absolutely destroyed. And that's actually one of the things that I found kind of annoying about Heart of Stone was, yeah, since those things are right there, it's like, oh, well, you just kept going north from Novigrad. Well, time for you to die because these monsters are like 30 levels above you. Mm -hmm. And there's no, you know, warning of, hey, you're entering a DLC area or whatever. It's just like, oh, there's drowners that just will like one hit kill you because you're level eight. Yeah. Surprise. (laughs) So we, we get to Toussaint and we come across this knight who is fighting this giant and that was fun. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, like it, it's a really kind of a cool thing because like he smashes through a big windmill and uh, like it's a pretty dramatic entrance. Oh yeah, it was really as far as running into a DLC goes, there was a lot of like it, it got you going pretty good there when you first show up. Yeah, and that was Giarm, I think, but he's like a new knight. I gathered he hadn't been a knight for a very long for very long, and um, he was specifically going out to. He's trying to win the heart of some girl he's interested in. In true, in true chivalric fashion. Yes, it's he a- needs to go out and defeat a large creature to try and... I need to take a trophy back. To and prove like, my love. I get that this, is, that this whole area is kind of like Knights of the Round Table. So, yeah, like I, I was actually, that's where I was going to say was if the rest of... Uh, so, 
Whereas the rest of the places we've been to all seemed kind of based on relatively real world locations and like sort of, you know, um, kind of like what medieval times were actually like, just with monsters. Tassant feels more like what the like the legends of medieval times. Yeah, like your King Arthur, Knights of the Round Table, like the sort of like romanticized versions that we think about in our stories. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, the knights are all supposed to be like, yeah, chivalrous and the sort of place that we we like to think that that time period was like, whereas the rest of the game is more what it was actually like. Yeah, exactly. And and it it is different. It is a very different contrast to see people in Toussaint actually seem to have some respect for Geralt. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just because because they almost always mention the fact that this is the person that the Duchess has brought in. I don't know if it's just because of that or if it's just because this is like they view him as basically a knight going around killing these monsters. It's just he does it for money versus. Yeah. And a lot of them call him a knight. Mm-hmm. A lot of random people do say, you know, or talk to him like he's a knight. Well, and apparently in a side quest, you find out that he actually was knighted by. Yeah. That's why he's Geralt of Rivia. He actually has a knight title. Well, there's that. And he also has another title. Yeah. But but like that finally makes sense because like they never really established why does he do that when a lot of people don't, and that's why. Yeah, because he has an actual title. Yeah. The, the other thing about Tassant that immediately stands out is it's so much nicer than everywhere else we've been, not just in terms of the way people treat you, but just like, like the land is beautiful. It just seems like a better place to live than everywhere else we've been so far. It just seems in general more happy. And, and, and the sun is like always shining. There's greenery everywhere. I mean, there's greenery in the other game, but it's always like dark and dreary mm-hmm. when you go back to the other areas. Whereas Tucson is very like bright. It's like Toontown. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I get. I get it's like bright and happy whenever you're in Tucson. Yeah, and and it, it is interesting because it immediately kind of sets you up for a different um, sort of feel. And I mean, there's definitely some dark moments, but just but a lot of the the stuff feels a little more lighthearted mm-hmm. in blood and wine compared to the previous ones. And it just sort of, it's a really nice change of pace that things are happier for lack of a better word. Well, lighthearted ish. Yeah. I mean, no, there's, it's not like there's nothing going on. Obviously. I mean, there's this, this beast that we got hired to fight and not all of the things, but in general, it feels lighter than the rest of the game. I Where think. we're at right now. Well, well you're at. Yes. The- oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> there, there are definitely some some fairly dark aspects of of this game. Oh, um, good. Even in even in Blood and Wine. But I mean, are you surprised? No. I mean, it's The Witcher. Come on, now. Not everything can be all sunshine and, and happiness. And I mentioned it last time. There's a lot of like. Um, like winking fourth wall type like references to things in other media and stuff kind of like the like that jokey drm gog thing we mentioned i mentioned last week but um but there's a lot of like uh did you like for example have you done the um fist fighting side quest into science yet no i have done none of the fist fights they're all different this time they all have like a twist um one of them involves mancomb is his name and he wants to insult box you. What could that be a reference to? I wonder. Guybrush Threepwood, Mancom, yeah. Guybrush, and yeah, and you insult box him instead of regular box him. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I haven't done any of the fist fight stuff yet, just because I was like, I don't really, 
I don't really fight with my hand. I usually end up doing those kind of last be just as like a, okay, I'm just clearing this out. Yeah. I know. It's not I, something I, I've ever really enjoyed. I, I liked the Toussaint one the best by far of them because, I mean, he's not the only one. Like I said, all of them kind of have a little twist going on, but he was definitely my favorite because I was like, Mancomb, I see what you did there. Well, I don't know what Mancomb is. Guybrush. Mancomb. Guybrush. Oh, got it. There's actually also a joke in one of the Monkey Islands where someone calls Guybrush Mancomb, and he's like, that's not my, why would you think that's my, that doesn't even, that's not even close to my name. <laughs> Well, that's kind of well. No, the, anyway, like that's the kind of close. That's the joke, and um, it was actually really it was actually funny because I was talking to a, a someone else about I mentioned Mancomb to somebody else, and he's like he tried to be you all, know, hey, do you know how Guybrush got, originally got his name? Thought he was going to stump me. I'm like, you can't stump me on Monkey Island trivia. Monkey Island is my. I grew up with Monkey Island. I know why his name is Guybrush. Are, are you going to tell us the? Yeah, it's because when they first drew it, they didn't have a name for him, and they saved the file as Guy Brush. And they're like, that's his name, Guybrush. Because Dot Brush was the file type. And he was, he was just Guy. So they're like, yep, we're going to call him Guybrush. Where'd Three Pud come into it? Just a funny last name. Uh, I think <laughs> Mancomb, I'm pretty sure when they when he gets called Mancomb, they call him Mancomb Seep, Seepgood. <laughs> but yeah, so you, you fight Mancomb, who's very clearly modeled after like a witcherized version of Guybrush. And I, like, I was very happy about witcherized. that. Witcherized? Okay, so he must be like mega evil... <laughs> He's got like evil pulsing out of him. <laughs> um, and then like, did you see the the Batman reference stuff in the tombs? No. Oh, there's a. Which tombs are you talking about? Um, did you do the side quest with the the noises in the crypt? Yes. Where the the couple are arguing. The well, that, that so 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 here's the thing. Other than just the Batman, re- I'm very interested to see how you resolved that quest. Um. Well, I'll say the Batman thing really quick, and then we'll we'll actually do this because it's not actually related to that. It's just the same catacomb. But there's a, some random grave robbers you can fight that have a note from, and then the the quest is um, Selena's last stand or whatever. And there's a cat, and um, but Selena got was having a, a thing like a deal goes south with Robin, and then Robin has a note to Bruce, and like like it is pretty clear, like it's just an obvious reference of Batman stuff. I guess I just never noticed any of that. Yeah, but anyway. Probably because I didn't read. I hadn't learned my full lesson yet. But it just it's interesting because there's a lot of those little random, like, jokey things. So, I can't wait to see some more. But back to the ghost. So here's the thing in Blood and Wine. Like, you're the way, even the way you answer regular questions is scrutinized. Yeah. Which is nice because, like, I, I kind of really like having there actually be more consequences to things. Not that there weren't consequences before, but like, especially as the game kind of went on, it felt like it was a little more like after we got out of act one and like, once we actually got Siri back, other than the decisions we were making with Siri, it didn't really feel like things mattered a whole lot anymore because there's, there's a and quest. Then Heart of stone. There's like no nothing. So there's a quest later on that's called the, so, so basically what I did is I guess we'll, we'll, rewind a little bit let's let's get past this whole first quest area okay um because for from my perspective all of this has been very boring <laughs> um i'm sorry no no no, not this in general i mean this quest was boring because there was basically nothing going on at least from my perspective things really ramp up after this because when i was playing through this at first i was like oh man how is it? this doesn't even compare to heart of stone this is like trash I'm like, what is happening? But that's just because it's ramping up. 
So you 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 they basically tell you, hey, this this beast is murdering stuff. You can one of the people comes up after you kill the giant, and they say that someone else has just just been murdered. Yeah, like that happened, and they just found his. Yeah, and it was um, it was Guillermo because he had been there, and the other two had been gone looking for you, so they didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then you go and you look for the body because Geralt says we need to go there right now right, before it, because they before, before people start trampling all yeah. over evidence. And the the uh, I guess p- police constabulary I don't know what they're exactly called in this world, but the the guards uh, have already cleaned up the body. But you still get to spend some time doing some some of your Witcher investigating. And this is where you find out that the person that was murdered is Delacroix, which DLC DLC, and it was hilarious to me that it was the very first thing you did. Well, one of the first things that you did. And it's just like, hey, in case one you of, forgot. One of those little lighthearted winky moments. Like, I don't know if you were aware of this. I know um, he got murdered, but ha ha ha. <laughs> yeah, so you, you do some investigation and you find out. Um, and you, Then you have to go to a tavern that's like right near there to try to see if there's any witnesses or anything. So you go to uh, this tavern after you do your, you know, investigation. And Geralt finds that. Uh, like you talk to the fisherman who originally found the body uh, and like seafood gumbo or whatever is not available and everybody's making a huge stink about it because <laughs> he couldn't get any because dead body. <laughs> everybody's like acting like the, the lack of this stew is is the bigger tragedy here. I think that town was the first. I think that person was the first time I ever encountered a Skellige deck. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 he's the also. Yeah. He has the Skellige deck and oh boy. So Skellige. Um, <laughs> I like how in the universe, because it's actually mentioned, I don't know if you saw in like one of the, um, I know you said you don't really read the the notices on the things. It basically straight up says that the Skellige deck is like a fan expansion. And I, I, I was laughing when I was thinking about this, that um, it, it felt a lot like people get who got really mad, who get like really into like Hearthstone or magic or all those other things, you know, all the new, like there's, there's a fight going on between people about whether or not the Skellige deck is even legal in real like or whether it's like because there's one there's like two rival nobles and one's like i made this guy like i I can't wait to do this the other one's like no we're gonna play gwent the way it was meant to be played so there's like two rival tournaments going on it's really because i haven't done any of the gwent tournaments at all which is honestly going to come to a great surprise to everyone but i haven't done them either i just just from like the board because one of them's like yeah i can't this guy's gonna be here he's gonna show off his complete skellige deck and you know that he's got the other one's like this guy uh, hates the the existence of the Skellige deck, and it's violating the game of Gwent. We're gonna play with no Skellige cards allowed in my tournament. <laughs> it's violating the existence of Gwent. Its very existence is bad. I'm like, how is having a Geralt and a Siri card any different? Yeah, just I'm just thinking about that. Like, imagine sitting down to play with somebody and then looking at the cards you drew and be like, "Is that him?" <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. This is like the strongest card that I what, have. What is happening? Um, you win. <laughs> I fold. It's just hilarious because it, it sounds like that one noble, like the one who's playing the Skellige deck, made it sound like he just created the Skellige deck because he like wanted to be able to say he had all the cards in one of the deck because because Skell- Gwent cards are so hard to get. Yeah. And he's just like, I just made this new deck and I have all the cards in it. Which is hilarious because I think, I don't know if it was in this one. I, I think it was in Blood and Wine. I, I'm pretty sure it was in Blood and Wine. Uh, there there was, oh man, I can't remember the quest, but somebody, one of the quests, 
somebody gave you the option of getting something or getting Gwent cards, and I definitely chose the Gwent cards. That was um the thing with Zoltan in the base game. No, there was another oh, one. another one. Where you can end up getting, where you play something for Gwent, oh. Gwent cards, and like you have the choice to do something for Gwent or not. Oh yeah, I mean, I always can, the Gwent cards are a quest reward, I'm always taking them. Like, oh, I cannot remember what it was, but no, it wasn't, because I, I obviously remember Zoltan, we went. You talked about him for a little while. In depth. Yeah. I can definitely see where the one guy is coming from talking about the Skellige deck, like violating the sanctity of Gwent or whatever, because the Skellige deck is really strong. Yeah, but that's just like the new thing is always going to be stronger than pretty much everything else. Right, but I, I, I was actually thinking, like laughing at the fact that like whenever a new expansion comes out in like Magic or Hearthstone or whatever, people get, oh, these new cards are just way too good. It ruins the entire meta or whatever. And, like I just it, it felt like somebody who really gets into collectible card games and kind of knows how it goes. And just Except for the funny. Black Lotus, which is well, that's why the most powerful card ever. And it's banned. <laughs> Well, it's banned from tournaments. Tournaments, yeah. But, but like, as a good example of why the Skellige deck sucks so much, I ran into my this, this very first guy. This random bartender had a hero. It was a uh, what's her name, the lady from the who became queen, Saris. Who her he, she's a hero card, but she has the ability to summon all of the shield maidens in her deck. So there's three new cards, and they have the strong bond with each other that makes their their multiplier go up when there's multiple at the same time. So this one random hero got played, and all of a sudden he got like 50 points. Yeah, it was was nuts. I'm like, oh my god. I was That was the moment where I'm like, I might actually lose. When that happened, I think I had beaten him once because I did my spy thing. When I do my spy thing, they almost, a, a lot of times... Well, maybe not a lot, maybe 50% to like 30% of the time, they just pass. because they get off to an an early lead. And so then they just are like, okay, well, whatever. So what I do is then I pull out one of my like 15s or something Mm -hmm. and then pull something out as long as I have a heal, like one of my eights. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I do, too. If they pass quick, then you can get an easy lead. And if they don't and they actually keep playing, then I usually just seed the first round of them. Exactly. Well, this time... I took the first round, and when he did the second round, he got, like, his 50 points. But I'd already played some other people or some of my other cards, and I was like, oh, no, this could be really bad. Yeah. Because then he, not only did he have that 50 points, but then he he also had, like, another 100 points, because I I barely beat him. Uh, Yeah. It was, like, 98 to, like, 117. Yeah. On the final hand. And I'm like, I basically save everything for my final hand. And I did pretty much as much as I could do to possibly win. And I still almost lost. And I was like, wow. And this is just some rando. Yes. This is just some random guy. Thankfully, I have not run into another Skellige deck since. And that's part of the reason why I haven't done the Gwent tournament because I'm going around and getting the cards first. So that way I can actually be competitive. Yeah. And there's thankfully the quest, which I I'm so frustrated that the base game doesn't give you this because the quest to get all the, all of the Skellige cards actually tells you where they all are. Yes. And it's so nice compared to the base game where it's like, I'm missing like three cards and I have no possible idea where they are at this point. And I, I don't know if there is, but I wish there was like a mod where it would just tell me where all of like, them are. Like, honestly, I got to the point where I went online and started looking up, like, who can I play just so I could go around and try to find them? Yeah. Because, like, I don't know what else to do at this point. I, I just, I've just come to terms with the fact that I'm probably never going to 
get all of the main. That is literally the only quest left from the base game, and it makes me really angry. So I'm like, like I'm like, I, I need to do it because I'm three cards away from having a fully complete quest log of the entire base game. I still have some stuff out there. Like, I, there are still con- Witcher contracts that I never did. It is interesting how few people have done things in Blood and Wine, though, because like, um, and I'm I know Steam has something similar, but in the Xbox because that's where I've been playing, it gives you a special like achievement symbol and stuff when it's an achievement that very few people have gotten, and I think it's like under ten percent, and it actually tells you the percentage. And like, I'm like these random things that are like really early Blood and Wine things. It's like three point five percent of players have gotten this. I'm like, so basically nobody played Blood and Wine. Unless they only played it on like PC or something. I guess it's possible. I mean, like, well, yeah, but I guess the thing is, of the people who played it on Xbox, only like 3% went as far as Blood and Wine. Which is very, which is an interesting. And that's why I'm curious, like, if we went out and looked, and maybe we'll do that after this episode, because I'm actually very curious, like, what are the percentages of some of those achievements that you have? Because it gives you a special symbol on Steam now, too. That was a recent thing they changed. I didn't even... For under 10%. I mean, like, if you highlight any of the achievements, it will tell you the percentages, Mm because it's always done that, but, like, it actually gives you a different icon, and, like, the the achievement actually glows if you look at it on Steam. So back to Blood and Wine. But, yeah, it's so it's interesting that this is supposed to be the best part of the entire experience, and only, like, 3% of people have ever seen it. Probably because the people that are hardcore Witcher fans are the ones that are actually listening, because they like the game. No, I know, but I mean, like, in general, like, that's always, I've always heard that, that the DLCs were by far the best part, but, like, everybody else probably just got so burnt out on the game getting there. And then they so probably just never went, because yeah. you have to think, like, most people probably played Witcher right away and then just never, I almost never play DLCs. Yeah. I almost never do. I always buy the, the season pack, which I, I, I don't even know if that's really a thing that people do that much anymore. Uh, I don't think it's as big as it used to be, but I'm pretty sure they're still out there. And... I almost never buy them. I, 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 well, I buy them and I almost never play them. And, and that's actually part of why I tend to kind of don't play. Like, it, it, it's a thing that, a problem that Chris and I run into occasionally because, yeah, he'll buy something and want me to play right away. And part of why I don't tend to start games right away is because I want that stuff to be there so I can just have the full experience. Which I just don't understand how on earth you can wait. So, it, but it is interesting because the, the, then when I do play, you know, he's already moved on to something else. That's always happened. Yeah. That's why we had to do this podcast, because you literally never play a game at the same time as me, unless I force except you. It, except for, like, Destiny, but that's about it, yeah. Yeah. So Which, I'm, like, two seasons behind a Destiny, and I really should give that a try again to see what's different. Because there's yeah, so, so much Especially content. Especially now that it's free to play, yeah. but any, anyway, none of this has anything to do with blood. <laughs> we basically spent the entire podcast not talking about blood and wine. Yeah, back to Tassant. We need to just do a second podcast where we just talk about whatever we want. Because we're wasting our entire podcast not even talking about Blood and Wine. <laughs> anyway. What what kind of a book club are we? Or wait. I mean, we kind of, we have described it as uh, similar to a book club, so. No, I was just thinking, wait, not book club, but. There's really not an equivalent to what we're doing other than book club is the closest thing. That's why we use that example. I was just thinking, wait, what other way I could explain it? I don't it know that there, know is, there is a better is a way. way. I guess mostly I want to talk about side quests because, like I said, this the, the whole beginning part of the quest was relatively the funnest part I have was talking to the actual Duchess herself. Yes, and so you basically go. So, so I want to I want to fast forward a little bit. Sure. In basic terms, you find out that this you find out a little bit about this beast. It's got claws, everything like that. 
you go to the morgue turns out there's a bruxa there mm-hmm. which is a who, who has been watching you basically the entire time since you came here yeah because Geralt comments that he saw um, a lady in a tavern and he wasn't sure who it was and then it turns out that was the bruxa and and so you get we get there and she's kind of holding this hand which suspiciously is not like it's still alive. Yeah. Which is odd. Which, yeah, Geralt comments, he's like, I've never, I, I don't know that I've ever seen one that's still responsive like this, this long after, like, e- even for monsters, that's really weird. Yeah. And y- you, you, you find out that this thing is a Bruxa, which is basically just a female vampire. I don't think it's specifically female. It's just a particular, like, lesser type of them. Oh, I thought a Bruxa was specifically a female vampire. That could be. I'm actually not sure. I thought it was just because it's a type of vampire that is a little more humanoid as opposed to like the other ones that we saw that like were looked very much like large bats. I would have to go read the bestiary entries though, and I have not even tried to keep up with those bestiary entries because there's a lot of interesting stuff. I'm like, I'm not reading all this. I mean, maybe, but th- I guess the question I have is what what would the large bat version even be? Because the I, I have to look it up now because I'm curious. But continue because. Basically, you 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 kill her, and then you find out that this hand is still alive, and and because of that, Geralt just takes it with him. So that's cool. Uh, we're we're gonna go chill out with the Duchess with basically a live severed hand with us. So now we've become what's his face from the Adams family, and we're just carrying around the thing, which is the hand. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, what is his name? What is his name? Um, I know Morticia is the, it? the wife. No, cousin, it's the the no, Morticia is the wife. I'm talking about the 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 husband. Right. Oh, Gomez. 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 Sorry, I'm trying to think of the name of the hand. It it the the thing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because cousin, it's the really hairy. Yes, yeah. it's the thing, and so or or just thing. I think. Yeah. And so basically, you're carrying around thing as Gomez. You get there and you kind of go talk to the guy who basically says. Hey, we need, I I figured everything out because he kind of leaves you to your whole thing. He leaves you. He basically says, Hey, I got other stuff to do and you come, come meet up with me later because we need to talk to, if you need to talk to the Duchess, you then go talk to him. And I actually talked to him at two different points in time. And the reason for that is because I sometimes I accidentally skip dialogue without meaning to. And so what I'll do is I'll just skip, 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 mm-hmm. hit a dialogue option, skip, 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 and then just go back and load. Yeah. And then I, for whatever reason, this time I went and did something else. If you talk to him in the daytime, he's over at the training grounds. If you talk to him at night, you actually get a whole extra conversation bubble with him. Geralt basically just reminisces with the guy and talks to him all night because he's like, yeah, you can't talk to the Duchess right now. And then it goes back. If you talk to him in the day, you have this whole dialogue option with kids where Geralt. Yeah. And what did, what did you say to the kids? Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Where he's telling them like the story. I basically told them when they asked me, you know, does, does good always win or does the virtuous always win or whatever. And Geralt says, not always, but it's good to be that anyway, because then you, you have friends that are true and, and loyal and if you're not virtuous, then the only friends you'll have are like backstabbers and stuff. So that, so I, I guess I'm interested in what did what the guy had to say about that. 
Uh, he didn't really say much about it. The conversation just kind of wrapped up pretty quickly after I said that. that. Hey, hey, we need to get moving. So if you talk to him at night instead, yeah, he's in his tent sleeping, and I basically just walked in and looted everything, <laughs> and then woke did. him up. And then he kind of wakes up, and, and Geralt's options are like, I need to go talk to the Duchess like right now. He's like, I figured everything out. And the guy's like, yeah, you can't go tonight, so let's sit here and have a drink instead. So then they sit there and they kind of they have a drink and they kind of reminisce and then it gets to morning and they talk. The guy specifically mentions something. He goes, how did we sit here and get from what we were talking about before to that succubus? And Geralt goes, uh, I don't know, just happy, happier times, I guess. And I thought that was interesting because that implies that both of them have some sort of history with a succubus. And it's like, that's a story I definitely want to hear. So there's this whole story of this guy and Geralt with the succubus that we've just never gotten. And I don't know if it was in a previous game or if it's in the books or what. I feel, I feel like most everything, because like I said, I didn't know anything about Toussaint um, other, like, other than it have maybe have been mentioned. So I'm pretty sure any interactions they're having is coming from books because I do not remember that guy from any game. Okay. Or anything about Toussaint at all. So I'm just everything that's happening there. I am assuming if he's familiar with somebody, it came from a book. Okay. So I did look it up while uh, you were talking and Brooks, uh, th there's like a ton of different classifications of vampires within the Witcher universe. Bruxa are one of the most powerful behind higher vampires. The Bruxa is a very powerful type of vampire that takes on the appearance of a dark haired young human, most often, but not always women. Okay. But they're just very humanoid, and they're also one of the few types of vampires not affected by the sun, along with a couple others like higher vampires who are, well, we'll deal with higher vampires later. Yeah, because it turns out Geralt's friends with one of them. Yeah. Like, awesome? Yeah, like, whoa. Of all the people that Geralt would be friends with, it definitely would be a higher vampire, because Geralt is not going to, specifically, apparently, a vegan. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> one of the things that Geralt's made clear, and I think... All, all witchers to some extent, but especially Geralt, like, makes the distinction between, um, like, a sentient creature versus a non-sentient creature, so he clearly is willing to hang out with, like, the levels, because only, like, three or four of the, like, 12 levels of vampires have sentience, basically. Because, mm -hmm. uh, like, the lower ones are just, like, vampire bats and things like that. Like, Bruxa and Alps and a couple others and higher vampires can have communicate, talk, and do things, and you know, can act like people, and Geralt is generally, you know, very opposed to fighting ones that can communicate if they're willing to not fight. Because, mm -hmm. like, you can even try to negotiate with the Bruxa that we were talking about, but she just won't have it. But yeah. you, get the, you can try to talk to her, and she's just like, no, I we're fighting. Because that's the thing, because Geralt, the first thing he asks is, like, what are you doing? What are you doing here? What's going on with that? Why are you holding that? Did you kill that man? Yeah. And she just immediately goes into fight mode, and it's kind of like, you know, you probably could have got out of this without fighting if you had just had a conversation with me. Yeah, and, and my girl, I think, even said, like, look, we don't have to fight. And she goes, no, we do. She very much does not give you a choice no matter what the player happens to choose. Yeah. That was kind of a hard fight, too, I thought. I, I didn't have too many problems. I mean, I it. got it on the first try, but, like, it was a... She was pretty beefy. Well, at this point, so when we had first even gotten here... We before we even started any of these things, I actually had I started doing the same thing that you always do, which is go around and look at all of the sideboard stuff. Yeah. And because of that, the little messenger boy 
Yes, I've been up. excited for this one. And he gives you a letter. And, and, and so I actually, and we can talk about that as soon as we're done here. I had the new mutations before I even fought her, and I completely obliterated her. Yeah, uh, so yeah, blood and wine, that's an important thing to talk about is you finally get a new method of getting of getting more powerful, and I was so excited. But before we do that, we we so basically it kind of it stops she she you kill her and then you go talk to the guy and that's what does the whole duchess thing. Mm-hmm. Um because then you go and talk to the duchess. Yeah, cuz you you before you do that, you're like I need to go look into this corpse. So I guess before we go go and have the the conversation with the duchess, I guess one of the things I have to ask is did you tip the boy? Yeah. Okay, so did I. Absolutely. I always like whatever. Especially because it's like five gold. That's nothing at this point. Yes. But yeah, I definitely tipped him. Let's just say it's important. Oh, okay. In a sense. Okay. Well, I I did. (laughs) So yay me, I guess. (laughs) There is a a side quest that I don't think you've done yet where things are important. I'll probably talk about that at the very end. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. So basically, let's talk about that side quest. I got, I was so happy. I finally got a a letter from my love of all time, Yennefer. Yeah, she was she was telling me about a way to basically make me stronger. And I was so happy to finally, finally, after all this time, to hear from Yennefer. It made me, I was ecstatic. Yeah, and uh, my letter was from Chris, telling me the same thing. And now I'm really curious what happens if you didn't wind up with either of them. You get like a letter from Dandelion or something. Dan Dandelion's like, yo, I found out this weird thing. I looked forward into the future because I have those powers now, thanks to Gaunter. And <laughs> I found oh, yeah, out I, that I, you I, were I, supposed I, to get better. You just haven't yet. So here's what here's the thing. Yeah, I made a deal with this random mirror salesman. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> he keeps calling himself mirror. So this is like really weird. Master, I'm like no. Have you seen Doctor Who? Anyone that calls themselves the master is not a good good guy. Bad or news. girl. Yeah. So basically you get there. Yeah, this so letter it, is it, telling you about a way to make yourself more powerful and you have to go a to a professor who was doing research on witcher mutations. Specifically to save his son. Yeah, well you didn't, we didn't find that out yet, but yes, that's what he's doing. His son was a witcher and he was trying to convert him back to regular human. He he wanted to undo them it was one of those things where the a witcher had taken his son because that was the only payment he had at the time and so apparently the witcher was just like okay well you're coming with us now because your dad can't pay me so i'm taking your child which like that i can totally see why people really don't like witchers if that's apparently a common thing that's happening I don't think it's common but it definitely happens because that's pretty much how all the only way they make new witchers as i understand it yes and it was funny because before, because the Duchess mentions it. Oh, I'm skipping around so much. <laughs> I think I, did, I, that I do that because it's like, as soon as I think of something, if I don't mention it, I'm going to forget. You get there and then you kind of find out that this guy is basically experimenting on people. people? Yeah, I wasn't, it wasn't a hundred percent clear what was going on there. It seemed like he just kind of ha- had a person that he just kind of did things to. Yeah. Who was probably not there willingly. It was not a great situation. So this guy is trying to save his son, and he's apparently experimenting on people and using, like, 
centipede eggs or whatever to create some like what he's hoping will reverse witcher mutations but it only makes them stronger yes which is great because once you actually go and track down all of the stuff for this which i also want to point out i hate those flower things oh yeah the arc spores or whatever i hate those those things. things suck those are horrible and that's because they those little bulbs basically do no damage to it but do a ton of damage to you if you happen to be next to one when they fire off. Yeah. You can at least slash them with your sword or burn them or whatever, and they don't go off, but it still sucks. Yeah, I hate those arch spore things. I don't really like the centipedes either, mostly because I hate when they curl up into a whole ball and all of a sudden they just take, like, no damage. They're just annoying. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not hard fights, but it's just like, please stop. Let me just finish killing you. <laughs> you get all that stuff, and then you go back, and then it unlocks the whole mutagen menu, which there's... Only one I think I'm ever going to use. And that is the one that basically turns Ard into a free spell, which has the added benefit of not only freezing people, but it also has a chance of freezing them completely and then destroying them because basically in the process, you're freezing them, but then causing vibrations of the whole telekinetic blast and then shattering it. And I actually have a video of myself walking up to a group of like four bandits, shooting it off. Three of the four bandits die. And the last bandit is just standing there with like half health going, cool. (laughs) Oh, this isn't good. I should really rethink my life choices. For the half a second I have left. (laughs) But yeah, there's a total of 12 So it's interesting because, for one hand, we finally have a use for skill points again because it takes skill points and mutagens to research these new mutations. You can only have one equipped at a time, but uh, on top of the bonus it gives you, it gives you more slots for skills finally. So we can finally have more than 12. And now you have a reason to level up to a higher level. So it's almost as if if I had done New Game Plus... I would have a reason to level up because now I can become even more powerful. Yeah. Because by the end of Blood and Wine, I'll probably be around 50s, I would think. I, I that's As I understand it, you get like low 50s is about where you want Because up. I'm around 46 I'm like, yeah. now, 45, 46-ish, somewhere in there, or 45 to 47-ish. Wow, you have played a lot more than me then because I'm, I'm 42, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely a higher level than you. So I, I don't, I don't, I can't remember what, I don't remember if there was anything important in that quest. No, there really wasn't. Cause all you do is get your new, your mutations mutations. basically done. And then you learn about like, yeah, the professor was trying to cure his son. And so it's interesting because now you get additional skill slots that you can put things in. So eventually you can get up to four. So then we have a total of 16 now. Mm -hmm. If you research all of them, cause as you research more mutations, you unlock new slots, but what color because like you have the three colors for your sword, magic, and alchemy, and what one you can only put in skills of the same color as the type of mutation you're using. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the higher mutations that like the last two you can get will actually let you equip anything among their other benefits. So I'm sure I will eventually probably wind up at one of those because at the very least I'm probably going to want red and blue. I don't really use the alchemy side very much at all at this point. I actually went out and bought a uh, skill respect potion to do it because now all of a sudden that I had this option, like I'm like, I'm going to completely redo my character. 
The, the thing is, I've only ever been red and blue to begin with, yeah. so I don't really... I didn't ever have anything in green, like, at all, but I was just like, you know, now that I've played the game enough to kind of know which skills I actually care about and stuff, like, I can just get back those skill points and then have them for research. Well, and that's the thing. I could probably completely get rid of some of the art or the Axne stuff because I really only use... I only exclusively use Ard now. Yeah. It's and Quen. Between that... Yarden and Quen, I don't ever use my stuff uses it for me. So with Grandmaster Gear, the Quen I have, I, I have the Ursine one, mm-hmm. which gives two bonuses for three sets. You have the random chance of recasting Quen after you lose it. With the Rune Right guy, you can have a bonus that immediately starts Quen at the beginning of your fight. What's great about that is it doesn't matter what type of fight. So when you get into random fist fights, <laughs> like ones where you can't cast spells, ones where you can't cast signs, it automatically start because it says a hundred percent chance of starting. Amazing. So even when you go into a fist, so there are so many times where I was was in a fist fight with somebody. And, and just never completely take any yeah. destroyed them That's because great. I never took any damage awesome. because of all, all the bonuses that I had. That's really funny. Yeah. I love it. It was because there's this one part, I think, where a couple knights try to beat you up later and you have to, you don't have a sword. You're like, you're not allowed to use anything but this. And I annihilated everybody because of my, my gear. Um, I know that happened in, there's a bit in Hearts of Stone where that happens. I don't remember it happening in Blood and Wine. I may have just not gotten there, though. I can't remember what it was, but I know that it happened. Yeah. So I know that it can happen. when they kick you out of the auction house in Heart of Stone, you do that. Yeah. So you, I guess back to the Duchess, you, 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 uh, after you have that whole conversation with the guy, whether you talk to him in the day or night and at night, like I said, you reminisce with him and everything. You never even get the chance to talk to those kids. You walk by them during the day. And the only reason why I know about that is because I, I, I was, not paying attention because I frequently do that when I have to let the dog out or something because a lot of times it's just me at night and our new puppy is kind of a handful. So sometimes I just miss dialogue. And for the interest of not missing it, I XXX through everything, even random choices. And I don't really even listen to what anybody has to say just because I feel like that'll ruin it for me later because it's like I may not have actually made that choice. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, I just happened to then go out and do something else. And when I came back at night, oh, that's right. I know why I did it. Because I specifically wanted to go get my armor. I wanted to, I remembered, I was like, oh yeah, the rune right exists. So then I went ahead and did that. And it took into night by the time you got back. And by the time I got back, it was nighttime. And then I noticed he was in a completely different spot. And I'm like, what? This is weird. Like he was, he was over by there before. I guess it makes sense that he went to bed, but that's really freaking cool that they just moved him because it's a different type of day. I'm like, that isn't one of those nice touches that I just love. You know what series has always been really good about that is uh, Elder Scrolls. The people in Elder Scrolls all have lives, too, and that's one of those things that I've always thought was neat there, too. I love love those little things. It's like, people, 90% of people who are playing this probably will never even notice it, but you did that, and that's kind of cool. Yeah. Because put that effort in that quest, if you just do the quest all in one, mm-hmm. no one is ever going to notice that. Right. The only reason I noticed it is because I just went off and did other things in the middle of that quest. 
which I frequently do anyway. And I was like, that's cool. Well, but, well the part that's really interesting is not even just that he moved, because that, I mean, you see that and that's a neat touch or whatever, but that it was a completely different interaction. Yes. That's wild to me. It was a totally different interaction. You never end up talking to the kids. You basically just wake up the next day and they talk about random stuff. And I think there was a dialogue option that you could choose to talk with him overnight. Um, because I think he wants Geralt to emote more and Geralt, you basically have the option to like open up to him or not. If, if I remember right, although I could be thinking of a completely different spot, but it's just one of those things where I was like, what? Okay. So that's actually totally different, mm-hmm. which is just cool. That is really, yeah, that is really interesting that not only did they do that, but they, you know, cause it, cause it could have been, oh, you can't go see the Duchess right now. They could have just like immediately skipped ahead to the next day or whatever. And, like, the fact that they didn't do that is wild to me that they recorded all this extra dialogue and stuff. That people may not actually ever yeah, see. I, I literally had no idea this existed and never would have known. And neither would I. I would have no idea. And that just makes me wonder, like, how many... Yeah, wh- that is why I trust so little in Blood and Wine. Because how many of the dialogue options I choose are affected by what is going on here and when I talk to the people. Yeah, that's really interesting that they did that. So then you do, you go fight the Shalimar the next day, because Gallimar, Guillaume, is there again, and he's trying to fight for the honor of his lady, and surprise, surprise, he's not very good at his job. Well, not even that he's not very good at his job, because, like, Geralt's like, this is a terrible idea, no one, like, even witchers have trouble fighting this thing, what are you doing? Well, what they did is they specifically blinded it, because apparently it... It senses things through vibrations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So having bells on his tail. And Geralt even, because I even, there was an option for, no, you're torturing it. Yeah. What Did, did you choose that or did you choose something else? I basically was like, I'm like, I feel like they're not going to be very persuaded by by the fact that they're torturing the monster. I'm like, um, this is extremely dangerous and someone's probably going to die. I specifically said that it was torture. Yeah. So the question I have is, did you kill it or not? Uh, I think I did put it out of it because I was like, they're just going to go off and kill it anyway. And I can at least give it a peaceful death. I did too, for the exact same reason, or they're going to do this again. And it's going to cause a bigger disaster either way, because then even even Geralt even has the chance to talk to the queen about it. Mm-hmm. And I even said, I'm like, that was a super bad idea. Yeah, and then she just completely dismisses you. And she's like, well, you don't know our customs. So how dare you even bring it up? Yeah. Like, you don't know anything about us. And Geralt's like, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean anything by it. I just understand monsters better than anyone else, including you. Yeah, that's literally my entire thing. And they're like, well, we've been fighting monsters our whole life. And I'm like, yeah, it sure looked like it based off of everything that just happened. Yeah, it's like, had Geralt not been here, a whole lot of people would have just died. And because so- the, it smashes into the wall while it's having the fight and the bells break off. And now all of a sudden it can do things. Oh, and did, did, when, when was the whole bunny costume? That's after this. I thought that was, oh no, that's right. Cause he said he has other stuff to do. Yeah. That's why he leaves you behind to go talk to the Duchess. So after the whole Shalimar thing, the, the Duchess kind of gives you, she gives you the land and yeah, she gives she, you the she money. She gives you a whole, like a more thorough rundown of what exactly is going on. You get to talk to like the person in charge, the knight in charge of the investigations who is extremely not happy that you're here. 
he is very against it, it up to and including arguing with the duchess and she specifically says this is a matter that was solved a long time yeah, like, ago we already had this conversation it's done it quite literally doesn't matter what you have to say and then when she gives you land he's kind of like are you serious right now yeah. are yeah, she, you kidding she, me not not just any land like a, a whole vineyard and it takes a lot of land to grow enough grapes for wine <laughs> it does Oh, very clearly, because I did those wine missions. Mm. It took forever, because the one complaint that I've had is that fast travel points are very hard to come by. They're so hard to come by. Yeah, they're, they're so much rarer than they were in the base game. And when you're doing stuff for these vineyards, they're like All basically the town miles apart. Yeah. And I don't see grapes in every single bit of this. I li- when I when I get there, it's basically just like, oh, there's a couple of rocks here, and there's a bunch of art spores, and maybe there's something like two feet up, and some of them are this monster captured this this person, well, yeah, or, like a person went missing and stuff, yeah, or these not monster captured because they don't do that, but these bandits captured my guard or, or or not my guard, my blacksmith or my maid or whatnot. But I mean, like, yeah, the fact that the vineyards have their own, like, blacksmiths and stuff. I mean, like, it just illustrates, like, how big of an operation it is to make wine. Yeah. Yeah, so you get, you get a vineyard and you get... The thing about the Duchess, that one thing that did drive me up the wall a little bit, every time I talk to her, she uses the royal we, and I kind of really hate that. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise, the Duchess seems really cool, but, like, I really did not like the fact... Did you like the fact that, apparently, she and Dandelion were romantically intertwined at one point, and she gets... When she's like, so I noticed he's not with you. Yeah. And Geralt's like, yeah, I mean, he doesn't come with me all the time. And she's like, that's good, because he probably would have died. And then she's like, but no, I really like him. And But he definitely would have gotten killed. I would have killed him if he was here. And she's like having this whole thing about how she definitely likes him, but definitely doesn't. Like, and... <laughs> like, I love him, but also I want to murder him. Because of what he's done to me. Yeah. And it's, I was like, dandelion, bro. Like, I, okay, first off, good on you. But second off, that's not the right person to upset. Yeah. Buddy. The, there was also a, a little bit of a piece of dialogue that um, did hint at slight, like, to not being not quite as cool as it first. Did you, did you have, did you catch the little bit where she talks about, you know, um, that non nobles are basically just supposed to do what they're told? Yes. And I was like, Mm, like I can um, sort of see why maybe people don't want to live in Tassant now. And she was like, "Oh yeah, it's it's a great place to live. Everybody loves it. You know, non nobles are are servants and nobles are knights." And it's like, wait, what? Like she's like, you know, we have really high because they're knights. We have really high expectations. I'm like, you know, it does look like they kind of hold the nobles to a higher standard than other places. But it sure sounds like if you're not a noble, it's kind of a crappy place to be. It's like, can, can we can we back up? Yeah. To the- to the part where, like, where if you're not a noble, a you're a peasant. Or I mean, like, okay, that's true everywhere that you're a peasant, but like, the peasants are basically just like shut your mouth and do what you're told. Because, uh, yikes. Yeah. Wow. And I can't help but wonder if like that's gonna come up again. Or I mean, I'm sure that's just backstory stuff that that's true in the books and whatever else. But I was like, that feels like kind of a big deal. I can almost assure you that it's gonna come up again. Oh, okay. Because, like I said. Nothing in blood and wine is as it seems. Yeah. If you didn't tip that kid. So the quest that I'm talking about is, I guess we can talk about other stuff, but 
it's to get quite literally the best sword in the game. Remember how I told you I didn't use Iris anymore? Yeah. It's because I'm using Arendite, which is amazing. I had done a bunch of stuff, a ton of side quests. I mean, Andrew was telling you that I kept sending him lists and lists and lists of yeah, side quests. He just kept sending me pictures of his quest log, and it was just like more and more and more stuff. One of the last things I did when I stopped playing was I finally went to go and check out that hermit on the island. There's a quest that's like, there is only one. And I went out to go check with that hermit and I get there and he's basically like, hey, there's a sword in the lake and it's seriously powerful, but you have to show five shivering values. Geralt goes, yeah, I don't really uh, know if I'm the guy... Yeah, for this one. To, to to be picking up this sword. And the hermit immediately goes, well, it all, it starts off by talking to the hermit. You walk on the water of this lake. That'll tell you how good this sword is. And Geralt's like, yo, dude, what's going on here? This doesn't seem like something you should be able to do. Basically, you can't break the surface of the water until it's determined that you're worthy to get this sword. Well, I show up and he goes, no, you don't understand. You've shown compassion. You've shown valor. You've shown sympathy or not, not sympathy. Cause that's also compassion. You've shown humble and humility. Yeah. Uh, humility. And then whatever the um, fifth one is. Generosity. I don't remember. Cause the, 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 the chivalric virtues come up. When you're talking to the queen and the investigator, or the duchess and the investigator as well. Yes. Apparently, and I, he just showed up and he was like, yeah, you're these, all these things, fight me. I was like, wait, what? Wait, what? Slow down. Um, okay, so I'm like, worthy, I guess? You're gonna, f- I'm gonna fight you now? Oh, but my first thought was like, if I kill him, then, I'll, then I'll, all those nobility things will transfer to me and I can have the sword. I'm like, what are you thinking here, dude? I'm like, what is going on? And he's like, fight me. I'm like, okay, I get. You don't have a choice because pillars of water go all around this lake and he's basically a mage shooting spells at you and stuff. And I'm like, is he Merlin? I don't know, man. Well, because I'm just thinking, again, with all the references and fairy tale, like it's stuff going on in here. You know, the sword and the Lady of the Lake that King Arthur pulls out. So my immediate thought is this guy is Merlin. I mean, probably. And Geralt even mentions to the Lady of the Lake, when you win, as she throws up this sword out of the water. And he's like, hey, we've met before. And she goes, uh, yeah, do you not remember when the hermit specifically mentioned it? And he's like, oh, cool. Th- I mean, th- thanks. And then she goes, you've proven yourself worthy. Take the sword. See to it that you don't lose it this time. What? What do you mean, see to it that I don't lose it this time? Yeah, what? No idea what that means. But you grab the sword, and as soon as you do, you fall into the water. (laughs) And Geralt's like, just awesome. (laughs) And then you swim to shore, and you look... At the sword, and I sent you a picture of it, but I just wanna I just wanna talk real quick about this sword. Arendite, silver sword, 495 to 605 damage. Each blow generates charges which increase sword damage by 10%. Charges are lost over time or when receiving damage. A fully charged sword always deals a critical hit. 
killing a foe with a fully charged loaded sword will expend its charge to permanently increase the weapon's damage. It's increased by zero to a maximum of 20, increasing along with your character level. It's a sword that levels up with you. But the thing is that base damage is really not... Well, it's more than what I had before. Is it? I thought the silver swords already had like a really high number, though. Yeah, 605. That's that's about, according to this, when I got it, it was plus 26 over what I have. Oh, okay. And its required level is 44. Okay. But I also got it at 46. It was definitely, no matter what, it's better than the sword I, mean, I already I had. I didn't doubt it was better than the other sword. I'm just thinking, like, for some reason, I thought... Maybe it's just maybe I'm just thinking of the damage numbers because of like all the other stuff I get from Geralt's skills and stuff. Yeah, but, I know I regularly do four digit damage with that thing with my silver sword. But again, killing a foe with a fully loaded yeah, no, charge. I that. I'm like, I, I'm not disputing that that's going to get real crazy. To be clear, this sword is amazing, and when you fully charge it, every hit is a critical. Come here, drowners! Come on, come on! And it, mind you. I just showed up at this point in the game and he's like, you're worthy. And I'm like, that's weird. Like, what? I didn't have to do any side quests or anything. I go to the quest and look at it and it has a tick mark for every one of the chivalric values. I looked it up and every single decision you make on each individual quest line can potentially click off one of those things generosity giving the kid a tip i don't know if we are these all I mean, you're saying every quest potentially we're talking just within the context of blood and wine right just within the context I was gonna of blood say, and it's wine. like it's not going all the way back to things we did in the base game or anything no this is all blood and wine side quests so depending on what you do you're either worthy or not and there's only so many of the quests that you can actually do right. to determine whether you're worthy or not but that'll probably give people an idea on how far I am because there are some things I noticed when I was looking up the list of stuff because I was now I was fully invested. What did I do to get this thing? And I'm like, oh, oh. So if I just hadn't noticed this thing, I never, I wouldn't have it yet. And I would have no, because it does not tell you anything. Mm -hmm. It literally just says display these values. That's cool. So I just showed up. And it was like, yeah, you're worthy. Here's this mega super awesome sword. That is cool. Yes. I, and I was like, this is amazing. So to go back to the chivalric virtues, though, because uh, that's important within the context of the main story also, uh, Geralt finds that the the people who have been killed have all been killed in a way that suggests that they're not living up to one of these virtues. I also they're want to knights. point out, this isn't just important for this for this quest. Mm -hmm. There is a good and a bad end to this quest line based off of what happens. And apparently, I'm not, I, I, and I'm saying this, I am not going to look up the best possible solution just for the podcast. And you're talking, when you're saying this quest line, you're talking just like the main blood and wine story? Blood and wine, the story itself can change very drastically depending on whether or not you take in all of the information that is given to you. Okay. Yeah. And so I just, I'm like that right there is awesome. And it's sort of the same thing with Siri, but with Siri, it's literally just, okay. Are a you good a good thing, dad or not? Are you a good dad? 
Are you gonna are you gonna support your child instead of coddle attempt to coddle her the whole time? Or are you the overprotective dad mm-hmm. who then doesn't get what you want because it turns out that's not what she needed? Mm-hmm. And it's sort of that same thing that Heart of Stone kind of had that, but not really because it was mostly just telling a general story. Yeah, there's not really a whole, doesn't, I mean, there's really very little variation in Heart of Stone other than like what you decide to do with Gaunter at the end. Exactly. Whereas, otherwise, it's all basically like you get to the same place no matter what. Whereas in this one, there is definitely a considered bad ending with with Blood and Wine. And based off of what I know from this quest and other side quests, I'm going to be really interested to see if it's something I can actually get if I sit there and I think about the chivalric values and, you know, can I really get the whatever? I don't know because obviously I haven't looked it up and I don't plan on it because I want to actually know. Whereas Siri, I was very invested in making sure she was alive. I don't really care as much in blood and wine. So I care more about having the experience of making the decision, living with my choices. Whereas in the Bane game, I was like, no, 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 Siri cannot die. Yeah. I'm not going to let her die. That, that that's absolutely cannot happen. I do not want that. Except then I would have been able to kill that last crone. Not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> no, not worth it. Uh, so yeah, the go, going back to the Duchess, she brings up the chivalric values when when she's talking to when she's talking and, to Carol. Uh, and given what you're saying here about like the the quest for you know n- not Excalibur, <laughs> yeah, um, and things like that, it really seems like whereas Heart of Stone, obviously the driving like concept of the whole thing was basically be careful what you wish for the whole concept of where they're going with blood and wine is basically like the difference between these noble aspirations and the people who are definitely falling short of that Mm -hmm. they establish that these night everyone who's been murdered is a knight and it's a knight that whatever the beast has apparently decided is not living up to some to one of the chivalric values yes and has been killing walking his way through this list it's just there are five chivalric values and three of them have died. Geralt immediately thinks, so does that mean only two more people are going to die? Not that we want any of them to die, but like, is he going to stop after five? And then it dawns on them. One of the values is courage. And uh, there's a guy who's, you know, currently dressed up like a, a rabbit, which are famously known a symbol of cowardice. Well, I don't think it was just that. I think it was other stuff that he had done. Yes. All of them were 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 not... This beast has determined for one reason or another that all of them were not chivalric. We're already not living up to that virtue, but then he killed them in a way to emphasize that. Yes. Which is why they're immediately like, oh no, he's probably next because Valor's the, like, Courage is the next one and he's dressed in this way. Like, they're going to, he's going to get killed. And because of that, there, there's, because one of the people was basically like, I think it was the generosity one where yeah, he, he was. That was the one with the Bruxa because, yeah, they stuffed coins down his throat. Mm-hmm. And then there he was, was. He was greedy instead then, of being no, generous. Then there was the other one that was basically just humiliated. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what the one before that was. I don't remember off the top of my head either. But yeah, they, they, I mean, they, they walked through it and it definitely made sense in context. But yeah, I can't recall what they said about the first guy either. And so that, that kind of. When that dawns on them. Geralt and the Duchess are basically like, we need to go now. Yeah, because so he's we dressed absolutely up, have to go now. He's dressed up as this rabbit because it's like the 
surprise of this like a, annual scavenger hunt that the Duchess does at her palace, mm-hmm. where the people, can, well, the nobles can come participate and find these clues that lead you to the rabbit. It's like the grand prize, you know, get you the grand prize or whatever, and. and and it's already started, so they're basically like, the fastest way to do it is going to be to go find the clues and do it ourselves, because we don't actually know where he is. Yes. Because it's a secret. Which you would think the Duchess would still know. Yeah, you w- exactly. That was but my She said it's is. a closely guarded secret, but like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't the just... Duchess know where her knights are? Right, and and like even if, if not, like why wouldn't she just be able to go talk to the person who does know? If it's a closely guarded secret, surely someone knows. Because she should be like, I'm the Duchess. Because then at one point... Because she pulls that when you get one like, of the clues. I am the rules. Yeah. Yeah, because everybody gets really mad that you're, like, cheating. And it I mean, is. I, that is so great. So, first of all, she rips her gown off so she can ride a horse. And I'm like, I love this lady. Yes. Oh, and even better, when she gives it to that guy and she's like, hold on to this. See to, his, see to it that it doesn't wrinkle. The he, guy like, just really kind of stands like, there and he doesn't really know what he's doing. Yeah. And she, he's like, okay, well, I guess she just took my horse. And her... her ladies in waiting are like give me that and like rips it out of his hand it's like that's silk are you an imbecile <laughs> but yeah so he, she just randomly takes some guy's horse and he, he starts to protest like, oh my oh and he realizes who it is yeah and he's like yeah there's i can't i, I cannot argue with this but, person yeah. literally no matter what i do she's getting this horse <laughs> and, and so how did you? So the first thing that you need to do is you need to find a. You need to go find two clues. You have to find a golden fish and a unicorn. A unicorn. How did you resolve the unicorn? I got it. Uh, I fed it. I found a uh, some apples or a carrot rather, and fed him. And Geralt like fed him and just went up and. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. This is how I know that Quinn can activate in a fist fight. Did you fight the horse? <laughs> <laughs> What? Yes, with my fists, I beat up you punch, You're giving me crap earlier in the game when I accidentally killed a horse. You're just walking up and punching horses in the nose. I used Axne, and the horse was just like, oh, okay. And girl immediately walks up and takes it. And all the guys are like, you filthy cheater. I can't believe you just show up out of nowhere and cheat like that. I can't believe this. This is insane. And then they immediately fist fight you. I... I'm actually really upset that you didn't just fetch the horse, though, because that would have been hilarious. Three guys against one, and as soon as the fist fight started, it specifically mentions that you can't use powers in that fight, because I I tried. Mm -hmm. Because Quinn shot off, and I assumed, well, maybe I can use powers then, because Quinn shot off. No, it's because it just has a 100% chance at the beginning of the fight, no matter what. As long as you're wearing that gear... No matter what, at the beginning of the fight, it shoots off. So I had Quinn, and I beat up one of them, and they finally got a punch off on me, which exploded and did, like, the rest of the damage to them. Cool. I guess I win. I immediately, because Geralt's like, ooh, that's far away. I immediately hopped on the horse, (laughs) and then I galloped to the, uh, the fish thing. I did the fish first. I didn't. Yeah. I did the horse first, and then it gives you the option to be like, ooh, that's far. Because the horse is like right there. I just was like, oh, I'm just going to follow this one. And it was the one that was point, like the one that was highlighted. I'm like, I'll just go here. So then I get on the horse and I run out there, and then I get off the horse, jump into the lake, and they're like, what? He just jumped in the lake. And then one of the, one of the peasant people are kind of like, someone catches it like right as you get there. They're like, wait, isn't 
Well, but when you first jump in, they're like, oh, wait, wait, does he know a secret that we don't? Maybe that's the way to actually do it <laughs> instead of doing this whole. It is kind of cool. These these games are actually kind of all of them were actually kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I, the the stuff that goes on in Blood and Wine feels really fresh because even with like they they're like there's a lot of things. It's like, oh, I've done this before, but then it's a little different. Like I said, like the fist fights. And like we were saying, it's happy in the sense that these games are very much people are happy to be here. Yeah. And we're playing these games. I mean, maybe it's just because these are all nobles or whatever, but even the peasants don't seem to have a a bad they don't seem to be in a bad mood. Yeah. Whether they whether they don't like the fact that they're just shut up and do as you're told, I think they're just reserved to the fact that that's just the way, the way it, it is. Yeah. Here in Tucson. Not because ideal, but it's very much the same way everywhere else too. You 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 think the king or the emperor is listening to any of those peasants, and they don't care. The peasants don't really get. Just like when one of the first things that we we did when you meet that one captain guy, that um, one of Amir's captains, who basically tells the guy, "Hey, you're gonna give me, you're gonna give me this food, and we're gonna pay you full price, and it's not gonna be as much as I had asked." And then when the guy comes back and the food is actually rotten, he's immediately turns into a, a douche and he's like, I did you a favor and this and you try to pass this garbage off to me. And then he's like, no, 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 no. And then he gives him like lashings or whatever. It's like, it's very much the same where they're at. It's just people, people seem to just be kind of okay with it here in Tucson. And, and peasants aren't trying to like pull one over on the duchess maybe because they know that they're going to immediately get super murdered stoned or something yeah <laughs> in a bad way and uh think, so then it, it, someone it, it, immediately gets someone immediately gets the fish which i thought was funny yeah you're like reaching out it cuts to a video and you like reach out and then i think my favorite part is when they're giving them the clue that guy's sitting up there and he's giving them the clue Geralt rips the fish out of his hand smashes it on the ground reads the thing and then leaves and they're like i cannot believe this yeah they're doing Who this like this man they're doing this like whole dramatic like i present to you this fish like ceremonial thing and girl's like i don't have time for this <laughs> and they're, they're like what he's ruining everything i can't believe this guy and then you run up and then the duchess then she's getting the third piece she's getting the third piece which again she didn't find herself someone else already found it she's basically just like it's mine now and then she's like you don't understand it's mine and they're like you're you're ruining the game like, this is against the rules i have the rules and like you don't understand like shut up at, th- at that point she should have just ah like at any point you're right i think it was just one of those fun little things where you get to I think oh, I it was know. just there's there's no way we would have gotten this happy little thing where like all these people are very clearly having fun doing this thing that they get to do like once a year and they're having a lot of they're having a great time with it. We wouldn't have got that if the Duchess was just like, okay. So so I, I think and the reason why I mentioned that is because I think it's important that they are just dis- I are. think it's important that CD Project Red is doing it in that way to present it makes it seem like this place is so fun loving and everyone's having fun and everyone loves it so that it can get bad later i think it's very deliberate of them that something is going they're presenting this do you know such or are you a way. Taking a assumption here okay you know i can tell by your face they are presenting this in such a way that 
it's like this is happy and everyone's having fun and everything when in in reality there's like the seedy underbelly to everything okay i can't wait to get there now because <laughs> you're really like piquing my interest on a lot of this stuff when you talk about these things and it, it is just that's why i'm saying it's like it's everything in blood and wine seems very deliberate and not at all as it seems and i do know some things but i don't know the whole story and it's just one of those things where ugh, I, I i can't wait i'm having a lot of fun with blood and wine and like i was telling you i i can't wait to play it more Although I feel like next time is going to be a probably a lot of side quests that we really didn't get to delve into this yeah. time. I mean, well, like kind of like with Heart of Stone, like once we started getting going, there's a lot. It's really easy to just talk about this stuff and not even really cover some of the things we meant to. Well, and because of the fact that the side quests are so important and, and, and are different, like I want to know what you did. Mm -hmm. I want to know what you did, especially because I know the keys to the castle of getting the best sword in the entire game. And I want to know if you've screwed yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it really comes down to. And I always had a feeling that that's what it came down to was you want, you're hoping that I made a mistake so you can laugh at me. <laughs> I know what this is. No, it's that. And the same thing. I'm just interested in the ways that all of these things can go down differently, but mostly you want to laugh at me. <laughs> I, I would. There are some things that I do want to, there are some specific things that I just want to laugh because if you did it wrong, you're definitely a bad witcher and I cannot wait to throw you under the bus about it again. Cool. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Well, you've, you've been playing this terrible witcher persona this whole this whole podcast. So well, I don't know about playing, but you just walked wow. into this terrible witcher. Wow. <laughs> No, I will say if I ever do give a ride to play again, like having learned things, there are definitely some decisions I would make differently. But there are some most of the decisions I've made, I'm generally pretty happy with. I would say I, I I'm the same way. Uh, if I were to play it again, I would definitely do Siri as the Witcher just to see it. Well, yeah, like same thing. I would do Empress Siri just to be different. Although I will say I actually do, even knowing what both of them are, I still prefer her being the Empress. Personally, and and I know that you kind of prefer her being the Witcher, and that's yeah. that's fine. She's not dead in either case, which I think we all agree is the worst. Yeah, which is is actually funny because you bring that up because one of her friends I wasn't going to mention that, but happened to be playing Witcher at the same time as us, which I don't even think he's ever heard a single episode of this podcast. I don't think so, and I mentioned like I've mentioned it before, but I don't think he really has any interest in it because he's not like a super video game guy. But he was playing through The Witcher, he killed Siri, yeah, and he was so upset about it, and I get it even more so. Because he, he started texting me yeah. on the side about it, going, dude, I still just can't stop thinking about it. I cannot believe I was like one decision away from making He's like, I was playing the overprotective dad, and I guess I shouldn't have been. And I was like, no, you shouldn't. You should have supported her. Like, that's why she's dead. She's dead because of you. Wow. <laughs> I didn't exactly put it like that, but that's what I was thinking the whole time. <laughs> So because he he would have been on I think he would have ended up ended up being the Witcher route too yeah and um Siri ended up dying instead which is interesting because you can get even less things wrong in Siri becomes Witcher because you don't even get the whole Emir stuff at all because with Emir you have to make four out of five decisions with I thought it was three out of five I think you just had to have more than regardless 
Oh, wait, so then you only had to have two? No, I thought you still had to do three, so I think you actually get... Well, there was only four decisions if you didn't go to Amir. Amir is the fifth decision. Um, no, I thought there were still five for me. Oh, well, regardless. Then there would have been six for me. That could be. Because Amir is a decision... Because you never went to Amir. Right. You'd, but One you'd of the flashbacks, the yeah. if you go to Amir, is specifically being like, I didn't come here for you. I came here for her. Mm-hmm. And then she smiles and, and, and holds your hand for a second. And then she kind of, it, it's one of those empowering moments. Whereas with the Witcher side, you don't even get that. So there's one less good decision that you have to make. Mm-hmm. Sort of like playing code names. If you, if you're, if you go first, you, you have, have a harder actual. time <laughs> because you have to make one more. <laughs> wow. That is uh, I, an interesting thing you jump to. <laughs> <laughs> I just recently played code names for. New Year's. Codenames is, is really good. Yeah. Um, so I guess, since it sounds like we're kind of wrapping things up here, uh, what are your expectations going in? Even though, clearly, you already know quite a bit. Yeah, I know, like, everything at this point. I told you, I, I had sent you a message that basically said, uh, like, four days ago, yeah, I plan on completing the entirety of Blood and Wine over the weekend, and you were like, there's no way that that's possible. I'm like, do not try me. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't make it, but you clearly got pretty far. I probably would have if I didn't specifically tell you I'm not going to play anymore. You're that close, you think? No, I'm not. that. I I think my guess is I'm at part at the ending of part one of two. OK, I'm I think I'm about halfway based off of. What I know only because I looked up the Erendite quest, which was unfortunate because I really, really did want Blood and Wine to be more organic. I wanted it mm-hmm. to be, these are just the decisions I make and live with it. Whereas in the in the base game, I was very honest about the fact that, yeah. no, I wanted to know what I had to do to make sure Siri was alive. Of course, if I didn't get Erendite, I definitely would have flipped the table and gone back. To, to one save point, because I'm not going to go the rest of this game without having that sword. That sword is amazing. Zero to 20 damage based off of your level every time you kill something with a full charge. That sword... I'm basically just going to go out and do nothing but kill monsters. All those question marks that I didn't do in the base You're game... Go back and do I'm just going to go back with Erendite and completely... Like a one million damage sword. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even think it's possible, but Uh, I bet it is if you're dedicated enough. (laughs) What I'll have to do is I'll have to turn on a mod that makes me do less damage. So that way I can build up your charge, build up my charge more. Now, now just imagine the new game plus version of Erendite. And it makes me want to go back and do new game plus just to get this sword. You don't understand. (laughs) This is how I play games. The The fact that I have to go back and do New Game Plus now, that I would run into the leveling issue that we had talked about before. Because if I did New Game Plus now, I would be like 45 and like you said, low 50s going into the new or by the end of the DLC. Mm-hmm. I would be definitely over leveled by the time I got to the end of the game where it's possible that I might not be able to kill stuff. But I guess if I got to that point, I could just activate mods and just be like, whatever, bro. I'm Times like, 10 damage. To I'm everything. like immortal now. Yeah. You God don't mode understand on. me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot. 
Andrew's here. When I noticed there was a mod option that I had that was whistle and immediately summon Roach under you, already wide riding him. His mind, he did the, the galaxy brain mind blown when he discovered that. Because I was like, wait, what? Instant ride? And then as soon as I activate it and I, I whistle, I'm instantly on Roach going towards my destination. I'm like, I've never used this horse. I've never used it. God, I, I always Roach walk constantly. everywhere. I use Roach, not like always use Roach. I would do it by when it got annoyingly far away, but I would never use it because every time you whistle for Roach, he's always like 20 miles back. And then you got to backtrack or you got to stand there and wait for him and then ride him to get to your destination. And he can't even gallop to most places because a lot of times there's rocks or something in your way. So I always just found it an annoyance to use Roach when I could just teleport him to the side of a mountain if I want. I am having such a good time. Clearly, mods are what you were missing all along. Well, was it? it's not it's not even just the mods. It's well, I mean, I will say part of it is the mods because fast travel you should have been able to do from anywhere. That yes, that's absolutely. something you just should have had to begin with. Any basically any time you weren't in combat, you should have been able to fast travel. I mean, instant mounting for Roach is kind of like whatever, but I, mean, I also convenient. don't think I also don't think Roach should teleport like twenty feet back. Like if I have to if I have to walk backwards, what you could do is have. If you're running in a direction and you call for Roach, you could have him run up next in you. front of you yeah. or have him run up next to you. Kind of like what Red Dead 2 does. Yeah. Like that's f a far better mechanism for the horse. I always use the horse in Red Dead 2 because it was so convenient to have it there. But with with this, I just find it kind of a hindrance and I didn't really use it as much. And now I use roach constantly, which is probably why you had way more roach bugs than I did, because I never used roach, which now I'm not going to have them anyway, because roach teleports directly under me. I actually was going to comment that one of my one of the small complaints I've had about um, blood and wine is. It really feels like the level geometry gets kind of weird, especially on roach, because there are definitely times where it's like. Why can't you go up the stairs? Yeah. Just like really random stuff where it's like, you've never had this problem, but I like adjust and then oh, on the fifth try, he, he goes up. And it's like, I don't understand why it's like invisible. Like the, the level geometry just feels a little weird. Or he'll just randomly stop on the side of a hill and there's no rock or anything there, but he's like, I'm something's in the way. Like, I, what? I've had something like that happen in some of the horse races from the previous. I never from the main. I game. never really had an issue with like I had the goofy things like him standing completely vertical or whatever, but I never had the issue that I'm ha that I've had now where he just like gets stuck on nothing. I've had him just randomly like if I put the control in the wrong spot, he immediately stops on a fence or something mm -hmm. or like a rock or there's a rock that he's just close to or and, and just boom roach is just sitting there. Oh yeah, but and I'm talking like, like literally. Now like a I'm wide going open. to lose because of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen little random things like that, but like I'm talking like literally a wide open field, and Roach is just like, yeah, there's something in the way. Like I'll get off the horse and be like, there's nothing here. No, no can't. Except now I have to know what happens if I whistle for Roach and I'm swimming. <laughs> well, I would assume it would appear. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, ooh. I know. Now I'm very curious. I hadn't even thought about that, and now I'm like, hmm. Says I, since I can teleport Roach anywhere, and you can definitely whistle on the water. I think. 
I, I think I think you can, but normally he like well if he if it goes in the water, he just like teleports back to land. Mm-hmm. But if I'm instantly mounting him, if I crash the game, I'm gonna have to. This is a scientific experiment. I think I'm gonna have to or solve. May, or maybe it will teleport Roach and you to land. <laughs> oh, that would be interesting. That would be an even more. That would be even more amazing. I would enjoy that a lot. I, I'm tired of here, <laughs> which I just do anyway. There are so many times now that I'm at the end of a quest and it stops at the end of some cave, and I'm yeah, like, like hike back out. Cool, yeah. teleport. Except I can't do that as much in Blood and Wine because yeah. the teleport spots there are just are, as far away. It is weird how few there are, considering how how many there are. I guess that's one thing is it does kind of feel like maybe they, even though, okay, there's this whole DLC with this whole new area. It does kind of feel like the design of Toussaint as a place, like maybe the level designers didn't have as much time as they wanted. I also want to point out the fact that is everyone in Toussaint just, does every single person own a winery? Uh, It would seem that that's like the only industry. Yeah, Because there's seriously, I get that it's blood and wine and everything, but every single person of nobility that you meet is just like, oh yeah, here's my winery. Oh yeah, I own this winery. Oh, also, there's this winery. I've never seen so many um, blacksmiths and armors. You like go walking down, it's like there's like three a block, and there's only one that can do grandmaster. Yeah. I- I'm just like here, random people. I'm just gonna sell you all the stuff until you run out of money, like everybody else in the game does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I now, even with the rune right and everything, I I still have. Lots and lots of money. Yeah, I already completely upgraded my winery. So I've I bought all the upgrades that you could buy. I just haven't waited yet. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I did that all the way. I'm completely done. Oh, okay. I got the quest achievement and the like the actual achievement. For so I haven't done any of that yet. Yeah, like because you can buy stables for Roach and you get, there's a, a fair bit of stuff. So I guess what are your expectations going forward? Well, I'm really intrigued by whatever you what by the stuff you keep obliquely hinting at. So I'm expecting to learn about the seedy underbelly of Toussaint. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's necessarily a seedy underbelly. It's literally just, what you called it. I know that that's what I called it, but it's just, there's just more to the story than what we're given. There, there, there is a side to every story and we're really only given one side. Yeah. There are two sides to every story is what I meant to say. I, I was going to say, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely interested in all this stuff that you apparently know and are eagerly awaiting for my, I'm really curious about, uh, these chivalric virtues and wh- how many of them I've hit. So I think I might go do that, um, lady of the lake quest right away just to see like what boxes I still have to get checked off. Cause I'm sure I probably haven't done all of them. But. When you do, I definitely want to know. I would love to see what, what check boxes you have versus which ones I have based off of the quest that I know that you've done. That'll give me a good idea on what you actually did. Okay. So, uh, and so I guess w- with that, um, as always, you can find our links to our Twitter and our email for contacting us in the description of this of the episode. Andrew, I miss Yennefer. <laughs> <laughs>